has received the offering. You know, uh, don't say it very often, but man, I appreciate our worship team uh, just for just for uh, leading us. You know, we uh, we talked back in the back in the early part of the year about you know oftentimes um, we we put everything at the front end and then we put the message at the back end. It's kind of like there's a halftime. This is halftime, and we do that kind of stuff. And uh, we never want that to be the case. So what we've done is we've taken one of our worship songs. So we got two worship songs after the message just to, you know, sometimes it just allows, it allows us to settle down. We just don't settle down well enough. And, and uh, so that's what we're always praying. Um, let me just make a quick announcement uh, while the guys are finishing up the offering. Um, tonight at midnight uh, is the beginning of our unceasing prayer. And so we start at midnight and we go through to midnight. And so if you are signed up for the unceasing prayer, uh, you will hopefully you remember your time and uh, you will you will uh, begin tonight. We'll pray all day tomorrow and then we'll hand it off to the next church for Tuesday. Uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, if you want to, but if you know who's after you, send them a little text. Uh, just make sure they're awake. Send them a text and just say, hey, it's your turn. Take over. Take the baton and start praying. So uh, I encourage you to do that. If you're not signed up, then you can contact Bob Schwader about that and um, and get, get signed up. But, man, that's a great initiative. Uh, I want to I want us to pray before uh, we open God's Word. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 in just a moment. I know some of you get an antsy if you don't have your finger on the pulse of that. But Matthew chapter 6. But here, I want you to hear me just a moment. Um, I want you to hear me the whole time, but I really want you to hear what I'm about to say. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I would venture to say, for many of us, I'm, I'm going to throw myself in this barrel. Sundays can be, can become routine. Uh, the thought of the church that God birthed that it was his children coming together to acknowledge him and worship him and lift him up together before they went back out into the world to live it out. That was, that was, it was their lifeblood. They were desperate to be with one another. And I wonder how many times it just becomes ho-hum to us. We can take it or leave it, you know. We, we can take it or leave it. It doesn't matter. It's really not going to make that big a difference. And I just wonder uh, if we... If we do not need to apologize to God and say, God, make us desperate for you, make us hungry for you, we've lost some of our hunger. I mean, that's, that's the tendency sometimes. We, we are people of rhythm, and sometimes if our rhythm is this, then we get involved in that rhythm, and I'm going to do it, and I'll check off the box and this kind of stuff. And I pray that that's never the case because, listen, our community and our world needs people that have met with Jesus and are going to take that light into a dark world. And if we're just going to come and just kind of go through the motions, then, man, we've got to be careful with that. So I want to encourage you uh, with that. And I, with that thought, I, I want you just to bow with me, if you would. And um, I just want to uh, pray over us as we open the Word of God. Lord, we come today. And, Lord, we declare that you are the God of of the universe. You are the creator. You're the king. You're the one who gives us our next heartbeat, our next breath. You're the one that the angels are in your presence declaring that you are holy and, and, and you are set apart and there is no other. 
Lord, you're the one who holds this moment. Lord, you're the one who birthed the church in the first place. And you're the one who who chooses to set us ablaze so that we can go out and shine your light into a world that seems to be getting darker. And so, Father, I pray over all of us in this room that we together can say you are holy. And when we walk out of here, we won't walk out measuring how good the songs were or the word was or if somebody greeted me, but we will walk out saying, you know, God is real. So, Lord, unveil our hearts, God, because we get really covered over with a lot of junk so that we can see you fresh and hear you today, Lord. So I pray this prayer in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, welcome to the Christmas season. This is, uh, this is a great time of year. And uh, I, I, I look forward to it. You know, sometimes... Um, when you um, uh, when you've been preaching for for many years, like I have, you know the Christmas story doesn't change. Did you know that? And uh, Jesus is still born, and they're still marrying Joseph, and uh, so you you really you really pray, God, show us how to make this fresh, so that we don't take the story and just oh ho hum, you know, and there it is, and and that kind of thing. So as we began talking. Uh, back uh, sometime as we were preparing for December and what was going to be going on, one of the things we thought about was what are the things that hinder people from truly experiencing Christ at Christmas, the true meaning of the season? What is the thing that holds them back? And so last week we talked about peace, that uh, the peace of God, many people are, you know, we you use the, because we call it carols of the season, we use that line out of Silent Night, all is calm, and we think, man, was Joseph Moore out of it? Did, does he understand everything's not calm? But then we talked about you can't have the peace of God unless you have peace with God. And so that was a big deal was peace. And so for the, through the month, we're dealing with these hindrances that, that so often are there. And today we're going to talk about uh, the hindrance of, of the season that seems to consume us so much which is in the area of uh, materialism and consumerism that is there. And, and uh, please understand, this is not a guilt and shame. I'm not the Grinch who stole Christmas. I love giving. I have the gift of receiving, too. And so uh, so I don't want you... I, I, but uh, it's something that we need to look at. And we're using different uh, carols. And you heard the bumper going into the message. And, and the carol that was on there is, Do you hear what I hear? Now, many people don't know the background of that song. Many think it's an old carol that's been around forever. But actually, it was written in 1962 uh, by a guy named Noel Regney. And uh, he was they kind of commissioned him to, to write a, a Christmas carol. But this is what was going on in the United States at that point. This was, for some of you that remember this, that are a little older, for some of you that have taken history, you need to hear this, is it was the Cuban Missile Crisis that was going on. The Soviet Union had moved missiles down into Cuba. We were on the verge of war. President Kennedy was trying to uh, make a decision there on what, what should happen. And then Noel Regney uh, writes a song along with his wife, and it was called Do You Hear What I Hear? And it was a carol of peace that uh, there would peace would reign uh, in the midst of this crisis that our nation was facing at the moment. So pretty cool background to the story. And, and uh, now we sing it, and, and we think, yeah, you know, I, I, good, good to know the background of the song. However... There's a line in that song that Noel Regney's dead. He died in 2000, so I cannot ask him what he was thinking. 
But the line says this, a child, a child shivers in the night. Let us give him silver and gold. It says, a child, a child shivers in the night. Let us give him silver and gold. Now, we're thinking, good night, give him a jacket. (laughs) Give him a roof over his head, man. Why give him silver and gold? That just doesn't doesn't register that, uh, that, that, so I'll never know exactly what was going on in his mind. In fact, uh, we know from, from reading a little bit of history that he was against the commercialism of Christmas, Christmas anyway. But to me, I can, I can just go with the line. Uh, the child is shivering in the cold. Let us give him silver and gold. And I think a lot of times that describes our culture today. We, we see the greatest need that is there but we believe that every need can be met with stuff. And that's the kind of the day we live in. And uh, we're going to kind of look at this a little bit. In fact, I was doing a little background uh, study because I, wanted to, I was curious more than anything about really how much do we spend at Christmas time. And uh, I had kind of found some figures that were pretty current, maybe a couple of years old, and then Pam and I were watching KVU News the other night, and uh, the, uh, the anchor, she came on and she said this about this year's season that, that, uh, that the, the consumerist put out there, is that the average person will spend at least $800 for their gifts. Not, not each person's going to get $800 worth of gifts, but you're going to give $800 worth of gifts. That's what they, they, they average... Average person will give $800 worth of gifts out there. And then she went on to say, that will, that will average out to $680 billion. $680 billion. Now, I'm not up here to say don't give gifts because I believe in, in gift giving. I think, it's, I think it's great because we are able to bless others. But what happens is, is out of that $680 billion, how much of it is in crude debt, consumer debt, that somebody walks into 2018 with and they're stranglehold by it because they felt obligated to give a gift to so-and-so that, and all these kind of things. And you run into that, and we, we see this uh, in our nation, and, and uh, you're bombarded with advertisement and everything that happens. When I was a kid, see how many of you remember this, because my mom had a charge account at Sears, we used to get the Sears wish book. Man, oh my gosh. For you that missed out on that, uh, there is one online now. The Sears wish book is now online. So uh, you can now see it. But man, that used to come. And man, you'd spend forever just marking things and thinking. I mean, you were just drooling at every toy that you could possibly have out of that thing because it was feeding that want, want, want that was was in you. And Sears knew uh, to put that thing out was to help increase their sales. And that's what they did. So we we see that in our country, uh, this is a big deal. And uh, I, want you to, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6, because I, I want to say something about Jesus' teaching here when it comes to the material things that we have. Jesus spoke about 38 parables that we see in the New Testament. Sixteen of those parables of Jesus dealt with worldly goods or how we manage the things of earth. 
In other words, Jesus spoke more about how we manage material things than about faith. And I have to believe that the reason is, is because Jesus, knowing that mankind has fallen, is going to be always tempted to try to gratify self and that his spirit is going to need to change that. And so we see that Jesus spoke more about it. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he talks about it. So look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And let me read here. And uh, you can see what Jesus said in thinking about the, the consumer materialism that we get caught up in a lot of times. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's literally, he's saying, do not treasure treasures is what the, the verbiage is. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Well, what does that mean? That means invest in kingdom things. That You're going to invest in something that's going to last eternal. It's God's kingdom. Please know that that's what's going to last. And he says, for where your treasure is, this is a good one to memorize and mark, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's saying, listen, wherever you invest, you got to know that's where your heart is going to be. And then he goes on to talk about something that's kind of interesting about the eye, that, that our eye can get clouded over with something. And I think that's what a lot of times we get clouded over with. But it says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, um, God and material things. You cannot, you, one, you're going to be devoted to, you cannot have that split allegiance. Uh, James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And Jesus is just affirming that, saying, listen, you cannot have two masters in your life. And you're going to, wherever you invest, it's going to show where your true master is that you are after. So I want to give you a main thought as we get into this message. So I want to put it on the screen, and I want you to see this, uh, what's going to be up there. Because this is just stating the fact. We have to consume materials to exist on planet Earth. However, when the material things we consume start to own us and consume us, then we have an idol in our lives. Do you own it or does it own you? Now, I know that many people say, well, Mark, I don't have this problem. We're, we're poor and, and we just don't have any extra and we're not even able to give gifts and that kind of thing. And, that, and that's fine. I, 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 I think that that's uh, probably minor. Most of us go overboard in our giving. Uh, and sometimes we wonder, well, I'm poor, but let me give you some questions to ask yourself. We are wealthier than you think. Let me ask you some questions. Do you have running water to drink? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have adequate food? Do you own a car? If you have a license. Do you have employment? Do you have savings? See, the United States is blessed beyond what we... We're in the top 1%. Listen, we are blessed beyond what can we ever imagine. Some say, well, 
I don't, I don't have a car. My car's not that. But do you have one? I mean, do you have a roof over your head? You, you didn't worry about breakfast this morning. You, you just had a choice to make. And you're, you're already thinking about lunch. Man, we're going to eat out. We're going to eat at home. What are we going to do? See, we're a lot wealthier than we think. And sometimes we, we do not have a good grasp of what that looks like. Um, and then we get into this mindset. John D. Rockefeller, who was the first billionaire ever from the United States, John D. Rockefeller, and uh, he almost died at the age of 53. I, I, I'll share more about that in just a minute. But John D. Rockefeller was, was uh, approached one day, and they said, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, how much is enough money to have? And his response was, just a little bit more. And I think that hits us a lot. But like I said, John Rockefeller at the age of 53 was about to die. He had lost his hair. Stress had gotten him out of all these amounts of money that he had accumulated. But what happened was at the age of 53, he started a foundation and started giving money away. And John D. Rockefeller ended up living into his 90s. And they equate that he learned to give instead of to take. And man, what a great illustration out of life to have there. But I, I want to answer this question a little bit because, Mark, why is materialism, why can it be harmful? Why can it keep me from experiencing Christ of Christmas? So let me just throw out five quick things about why materialism and consumerism can be damaging to us. And, um, and then I want to talk about just some practical things that we can do. So number one thing about materialism and consumerism we have to be careful for is that, number one, we make ourselves God. We start saying it's all about me. It's, it's me. How do I please me? How do I gratify me? How do I feed these cravings that are there? And then, and then the, the commercial that was years ago, you deserve a break today. It's all about you. You deserve this. You need to pamper yourself. You, you need this for yourself. And so what we start doing all of a sudden is we start seeing ourselves as God. And we start feeding what is there. And, and, and I wrote down this quote. Your pursuit of things is in proportion to the lifestyle you have chosen. So you, you, you say, okay, we're going to live at this level or we're going to live at this level. But then your pursuit comes at that level. The problem is many of us want to live up here and we don't have the income and we keep trying to live up here. But it's that we make ourselves God. So that's one. Here's the second one. Because we make ourselves God, we take our eyes off the true God. We take our eyes. We start becoming self-sufficient. I can do this. Look at the work I've done. Look what I have. Look at, And we start becoming self-sufficient. And then we come to that point about the scriptures warn us about that we start worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. And we start worshiping that, and so we take our eyes off God. So one is we make ourselves God. Number two, we take our eyes off God. Three, materialism will always leave a person wanting more. It will always leave you wanting more. You're never satisfied. Uh, your your pursuit of material things will never fill an inner void that is there. And many people are trying to do that. If I can just get a little bit more, just a little bit more, a little bit more, then I can feed this emptiness that's there and, and start pampering the me that is there. It's almost like drinking salt water. You're thirsty. It's liquid. It looks good. It looks like it will quench my thirst until we taste it and the salt water comes in and we think, oh, now I need a real drink because of that salt water. And that's the way that we got to be careful with consumerism and materialism. If we're not careful, it will, it will just leave us hollow, more hollow than before. A fourth thing is this, is that we can become a slave to the stuff that we buy. You don't own it, but it owns you. 
And how many of the things do we purchase? Uh, we purchase in such a way that we we never we never wear anything out. It just we get tired of it. And so it can become we can become a slave if we, especially in the area of debt, if we're not careful. And and um, overcoming slavery to materialism begins when we acknowledge that problem that is theirs, that we become a slave to that. And here's the fifth thing about materialism we've got to be careful for, is that other people become objects to feed our wants instead of taking care of people. Instead of loving them and seeing them as God sees them, we begin to see them as objects to feed the me that is there. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this would be the battle, and so he comes and he says, listen, uh, you need to store up for yourself treasures in heaven, not on earth, because you're going to be tempted to turn from me very much in this area. There are two ways to get enough to satisfy. One is to accumulate more, or number two is to desire less. So how do we deal with this? I want to give you just three money management principles. And listen, these, these aren't all. I am, not an, I am not the money management. You don't want me handling your money. You really don't. I'm glad I've got my wife. But let me give you three quick thoughts that I know are biblical and Jesus alludes to them. Number one is this. God owns everything. He owns everything. I'm just, I'm just a material manager. I am just managing what is his already. And I know somebody in their heart of hearts says, yeah, I agree with you, Mark, but man, I sure work 60 hours a week and I, I deny my family at times and I uh, do this and I save well and I've invested well and I, 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 only to see that our lives could be um, done away with like a vapor tomorrow. And we've got to understand that God has allowed He's allowed, he's allowed, and we are but material managers. We, we, manage, we manage what he has allowed us to have that come to us. So uh, being wealthy is not a sin, my goodness. Uh, in fact, the people who have the best means that are my friends that, are, that love Jesus, they're better givers than I could ever be. And so it's not a matter of how much you have, but it's understanding that God owns it all and we're material managers. So that's number one. Hang on to that. Here's number two. My heart will always go where I put God's materials. My heart will always go where I put God's materials. This is what Jesus said. Wherever your, your treasures are, there's your heart's going to be. I mean, there are certain people that get up in the morning and they check the stock report. That's the first thing they check is, is how's Apple doing or how, how's whatever's doing that I'm investing in. And, and you see that. And that's the first thing you look at because that's where their main investment is. And, uh, and so Jesus is saying, listen, wherever you invest, you're, that's where your heart is going to be. And so we understand that uh, my heart is always going to go where I put God's material. And that, that reminds me that heaven and not earth is my home. So I have to realize I want to invest in kingdom things because one day I'm going to step out of here and I'm going to be part of his kingdom forever. And uh, what have I sent on ahead? Because I'm taking nothing with me when I go. So number one, God owns everything. Number two, my heart always goes where I put God's materials. Thirdly is this. Giving is the only antidote for materialism. Giving is the only antidote. I, well, there's another antidote. It's 
uh, everything taken away from you. But that's, that's the one, is giving is the antidote. God gave. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And we grow in Him. We're going to be like Him. And this giving of ourselves away, it is the only antidote for materialism. And, and hear this. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. He blesses you so that you can give, not so that you can, can hoard and, and just build up. He, he blesses you so you can give to others, and it will raise your standard of giving. And giving is the only antidote for materialism. I think um, this became reality in our life, and I hesitated to tear the story a little bit because it, it, it's an indictment on, on my heart sometimes in, in the way I, I walk with the Lord. But... Uh, it goes back in our family when we we stepped out of student ministry. We were doing student ministry. We were very, uh, very blessed, good salary. Family was taken care of, and those kind of things. And uh, the Lord said, uh, "I have something else for you." And so we we stepped out of that into this church planting thing. Now, uh, God uses the naive. We were just believing and following after the Lord and what He had said done. At due, and so we stepped into that. And so we found out very quickly, though, salary was was minimal, and uh, all the amenities for your kids uh, all of a sudden are um, not there that were there in big church before. Now it was a smaller situation. And so we look back on those days, but let me tell you something. I look back on those days, and I think we saw the hand of God move more than any other time. You know, when we get stuff and we have it all together and we balance it and we get all this, well, we've got enough, I've got savings, I've got investments good, I've got retirement, I've got everything's good for us, we're in a good house, got good cars, everything's, man, we can keep everything going. Sometimes we get so in love with that that if God says move, we don't move because we've got everything together. But it's out there where God says, I want you to go and we go out there and we experience Him is just an incredible thing. As we give our life, I, you know, it's one thing to give give a hundred bucks, but to give an hour, to give time, and to see what God does in that. And so, uh, I just share these principles with you because these, these are not exhaustive in themselves. But if if we don't understand that it's all His, and that He wants us to give, you know, we're always going to struggle. So I battled with this. I thought, okay, Lord. What does this mean for us? Christmas 2017, how can we look at this thing in a positive way? I don't want to be the Grinch. I want to come and I, because I, I believe in the giving gifts. But, Lord, what can we do to make sure materialism and consumerism is not keeping us from experiencing Jesus this Christmas? And so I want to share with you a couple of things. One is the, Number one is this, that, that I think is very vital, is that we need to do a personal inventory of all the stuff we have. Just just consider doing this. Consider doing a personal inventory of all the stuff you have. You know, your home, your cars, uh, your job, your uh, and, and walk into your closets and just kind of look at the stuff that you've kind of overseen that you have not seen in years. Have your children go into their room and look at the toys that, that they may no longer play with. And then just take a look and do an inventory of all the things you have. And then consider... How can we simplify and downsize? I mean, I don't know what that means for you. I know if I said don't to to um, 
get rid of anything you haven't worn in a year. Some of you think, well, you know, I may come back and I don't know. Go back two years. I don't care. I'm just trying to help you to understand that, that this, this consumerism, materialism and hoarding can hold you back. So go back and look and maybe there's, man, that is still good, but I don't wear it and I'm not going to wear it. Give it to someone else. Give it away. Donate it. Look what you're doing. Have your kids go into their rooms and see the toys they haven't played with in a year and look at those that they're never going to play with again and try to cut off that sentimental thing and, and, and see how, man, we can, we can do this. We can uh, get rid of these things. And uh, do, do an inventory of the stuff you have because we don't even know what stuff we have. So do an inventory on it and, and see, okay, we can get rid of this and, and, and uh, see what's going to uh, happen with that. I remember when I was on staff at a church and the chairman of the deacons, the, the decision was made to, uh, we're going to walk the church campus and all the buildings and everything. And what they did ahead of time is they gave us all stickers as staff members and they said, go put a sticker on everything that you want to keep. Okay? To keep. Keep that in mind. So, you know, I got the stickers, went through all the student ministry stuff that we had and the other pastors did. Uh, what they thought, and if they didn't, then this is what ended up happening. We gathered up there on a Monday night, chairman of the deacons, some, some of the men of the church, and he began walking through, and everything that didn't have a sticker on it went. Man, I got some great uh, extension cords and stuff out of that thing. I'm glad I was there that night because um, <clears throat> he was getting rid of it. I mean, it didn't have a sticker on it. He's getting rid of it. I thought, man, that's pretty... That's pretty dramatic, but, but, I mean, he was serious about it. And, and what it did was it just keeps you from hoarding, and it gives you a, a good view of things. So uh, consider doing a personal inventory uh, this Christmas. Number two is this. Take time, once you've done that inventory, to count your blessings. I mean, when was the last time you said, God, you have blessed us with a home You've blessed us with jobs. You've blessed us with cars. You've blessed us as a family. We got clothes. We got food. We got a roof over our head. God, you are so good. You, why you let me be born here in the United States in this blessed country? I don't know, but God, I am grateful. Because you see, it's been a long time. I know we run through Thanksgiving and, and we say, oh, thank you, Lord, for everything. But man, just to count your blessings of the things that are there. So do inventory, then count your blessings. And then number three is, is this. Ask yourself some questions as you buy gifts this Christmas. Now, I know many of you have already done. I mean, that's just the way you are. You hit Black Friday, it's done. And, uh, and you order online. But let me just give you some questions to ask next year. Here's some questions. One, will this gift make it beyond its warranty? Will this gift make it beyond its warranty? Um, you know, we don't throw away things. We, we just get tired of them. They don't break down. We just get tired of them. You know, uh, Walmart has come back to layaway, but layaway, for you that don't know what layaway is, it means that you saved up and you put all your money, you had to buy it, completely pay it off before you got it. Man, that's old, isn't it? Now, you'd never think about doing that. You get it, and it's out, you've, you're tired of it before you've paid it off. So you will this gift make it beyond its warranty? No, number two is this. Does it fit in your budget? Make a budget. Watch for impulse stuff because impulse stuff gets you. 
And uh, so does this fit in our budget? We have budgeted X amount, and we, we, we know this is important. Maybe we can get creative, but watch for the impulse bug with that. Uh, third question, can I honor Christ by giving this gift, or am I just feeding materialism? Can I honor the Lord in the giving of this gift, or is it just feeding materialism? I mean, I know it makes you think out, because, man, with me and the Sears wish book, I just wanted whatever. But can we honor the Lord with this, and, or am I just feeding this materialism bug? Number four, am I giving this gift to make me look good or to bless the individual? You know how we are? Man, if I give them this gift, they're going to think highly of me. Instead of just, I want to bless you. I want to do this to bless you. So am I giving this gift to make me look good or to bless the individual? And one more question. Is this the wise thing to purchase? Is this the wise thing to purchase? Is, is it really wise for us to do this right now and to, and, to, and to purchase this? And just ask yourself some questions. And, and I know some of you have already done all your purchasing, and, and, and I understand that. Some of you guys, December 24th is still coming, and so you're fine. But ask yourself some questions uh, there. And then here's number four. So you take a personal inventory. You count your blessings. Just be grateful to the Lord. Ask yourself some pertinent questions. And then number four is this. Give a gift to Jesus this Christmas. Now, I don't want, this, I don't want that to sound spiritual hokey, but give a gift to Jesus this Christmas. Pick a ministry and bless it. You know, maybe you're thinking, you know, we really want to bless uh, uh, our church. We want to bless Central. So maybe it's a specific ministry. You know, we'd really love to bless our children's ministry. We'd love to bless the facility or we'd love to bless our nursery or we'd love to bless uh, our student ministry or or, or, uh, Round Rock Christian Academy or something. We want to bless we just want to bless the church and and uh, and and really pray through that and say we want to do that we 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 want to we want to invest in something like that so pick a ministry and bless it you're giving forward you're giving beyond yourself so pick a ministry uh, here's another thought invest in a mission opportunity um, I know many of you are involved in fact we we have the set free alliance that is is an area that we've encouraged we think it's a good good worthwhile but there are other uh, we have other ministries that all over the world that we touch, but there's local ministries too. And, and, and while I'm thinking about that, you know, I got an email from Joe Markham at Agape Pregnancy yesterday. We need to pray for Agape Pregnancy. The, the, uh, um, the protesters have kind of heightened their um, uh, way they're doing things, and so she just asked for prayer. So we need to pray for Agape. And that's something uh, uh, many of you are involved in, Texas Baptist Children's Home. The local serving center, Sacred Heart Medical Clinic. There's many things, but you just want to give beyond yourself. And and that reminds me, you know, one of the things I challenged you with back in the fall was your small group, your Bible fellowship, whatever. Look at your sphere of relationships and see, we've even budgeted for this, see how you can give yourself away. And uh, many of you are doing that around Christmas, and it's a great thing, but invest in mission opportunities. And then one, one other thought about giving yourself away. Invest in the gospel somehow. Invest in the gospel going forth. There's 7 billion people on this planet. You know what the Word of God tells me? Is that apart from Christ, you live a, you live a life in a godless hell. 
And that if, if someone is not hearing the gospel, we need to somehow get the gospel to them. Look for a way to invest in the kingdom gospel being spread around our world and in our community. We cannot lose sight of the fact people need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with that, I tell you one of the best things that you can give, it, it costs nothing, but it has to do with prayer. And let me give a, an example of the gift of prayer that was given to us. Some of you may remember Ken and Elsa England. Ken was a great historian in the area, and Elsa was an educator. And uh, In fact, there's an elementary school in the area named after her. Well, Ken and Elsa, we got to know when we first moved to Round Rock back in 1985, and they made a commitment to pray for us. Now, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to pray for you. It was, we're going to pray for you. They prayed every day for my family. They prayed for Pam. They prayed for Ashley. They prayed for Amanda. They prayed for Joshua. It was always formal. It wasn't Mandy and Josh. It was Amanda and Joshua. And they would ask, how is Pam doing? How is Amanda doing? How is Ashley doing? How is Joshua doing? Well, we eventually obviously moved away from there and we lost any kind of physical contact. Uh, uh, we, barely, we rarely ever saw Ken and Elsa. We'd bump into them every now and then at HEB, whether one of them or the other. And this would be the question. Years after they'd committed, how's Pam? How's Amanda? How's Ashley? How's Joshua? They, they had not seen them in years. But daily, they prayed for my family. One of the saddest days is when Ken and then Elsa passed away. Because I, I, the, all of a sudden, this hit me. Who is going to pray for my family other than us on a daily basis? I thought, man, that is one of the greatest gifts we were ever given. Just think about that gift that you can give to the kingdom for somebody just cost a little time a little time so how's it going this christmas don't answer out loud but you can understand how jesus knew that if we did not handle the material things of this world properly it would become an idol george w truett who pastored at the first baptist church in dallas for a long time. George W. Truett was visiting in the home of one of his wealthy ranchers there, old men, and he went out to his place. And they went out there for a meal, and then the, the old rancher, oil guy, said, come over here, Dr. Truett. He went over there, and they looked out at this view. And at this view, all of a sudden, the man says this, there's oil wells, there's everything out there in this panoramic view. And he told Dr. Truett this. He says, 25 years ago, I had nothing. Now, as far as you can see, it's all mine. And then they turned and looked the next direction. And they looked out there and there were sprawling fields of grain. And the man said, that's all mine. And then they turned and they looked east and there was herds of cattle. And he bragged, they're all mine. And then pointing to the west, there was a beautiful forest, and he explained, that's all mine too. 
And so he kind of paused, expecting Dr. Truett to kind of say, man, good night, you're something else, or man, you've done a great job, or something like that. But Dr. Truett put his arm around the man's shoulders, and he pointed heavenward, and he says, how much do you owe that direction? The man thought, and he said, man, I never thought of that. We can own everything on a horizontal, but how much do we own in this direction? You know, that's the way to look at it. And like I say, I'm not the Grinch today. I just know know how that if we are not careful, materialism and consumerism will become an idol in our life. And we're going to miss Jesus. We're going to miss the author of life. We're going to miss our salvation. We're going to miss the true advent, the coming of of Jesus. But let me tell you the greatest gift that was ever given was Jesus. I cannot guarantee that all of you in this room are truly followers of Jesus. But let me tell you the greatest Christmas gift has already been given to you. It was for your salvation because you see we're all flawed, we're all sinners, we're all broken, we're all separated from God and God took the initiative. It wasn't like we said, "Oh God, look, I need you so bad." No. It was God taking the initiative by sending Jesus that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the greatest gift. And our focus needs to go that direction. So I want to pray over you. So would you bow your heads just a moment?